guys will take your Bibles this morning, turn to Philippians chapter 2. We are going to continue our series entitled Joyride. We are uh, finishing up chapter 2 today, beginning in chapter verse number 17. Uh, we have been in this study for a few weeks now. We're going to speed it up a little bit because there's a new series God's kind of dropped in my heart for us. So we're going to kind of move through the remainder parts of Philippians 2 a little bit quickly here. But uh, this morning we're, we're talking about the joy of serving. Now, the entire book, we're calling the study Joy Ride because Paul writes the letter to the church in Philippi with just this incredible sense of joy in his heart. Paul understood what the joy of the Lord was. So in chapter 1, verse 4, we've already seen that he says, I always pray with joy for you, as he was writing to the Philippians. In verse 18 of chapter 1, he says, I continue to rejoice over you. In verse eight, uh, chapter 2, verse 18, he says, rejoice with me. In uh, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, rejoice in the Lord. And in chapter 4, verse 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, say it with me, I will rejoice. Paul was full of the joy of the Lord. He understood what it was to, to have joy. But perhaps the greatest joy that Paul had in his life was serving others as he served Jesus. And in chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 17 and 18, he states these words, and we see this joy in serving. He says, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad, notice this, he's talking about pouring himself out, giving himself 110% into serving Christ by serving them. He says, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. And then in verse 18, he says, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul is talking about himself being poured out like an offering. So uh, this idea, just a, a quick uh, lesson for you here, this idea of a drink offering in the, in the uh, uh, Hebrew uh, sacrificial system of worship that we see in the book of Exodus and, and through the Old Testament, you had the offering of uh, the burnt offering. And a part of that act of worship was the burning of the sacrifice on the altar, but then there was the very last part of that worship experience was to take a, a glass or a, a, a jug of wine and pour it out on the burnt offering, not putting the fire out, but, but creating a, an even greater steam that would come. And the, the purpose all, and, and it goes much deeper than this, but let's just suffice it that this morning to say it was a symbolism of the pouring out of the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. It was a picture of that. And now Paul has received the forgiveness of his sins. He's accepted the pouring out of the blood of Jesus for his spiritual cleansing. And now he says, I am pouring myself out for Jesus by serving you. And he says, I do it. I do it, he says, with gladness and with joy. Serving is uh, it's important to the kingdom of God. We are born again, and our experience with Jesus doesn't stop the moment our faith connects with him and we are born again and saved from our sin. That's just the beginning. Jesus said it like this. He said, you will be born again. When you're born, you're now in a process of growth and change for the rest of your life. And part of 
the essential nature of who we are as born-again followers of Christ is that we are servants. A little bit later, we'll talk about what it is to be a servant of Christ and a servant for Christ, but we can't get away from it. We've been given spiritual gifts by which we are told to build up the church, to build up the kingdom, to build up others. We have spiritual gifts. But I know immediately you say, well, pastor, you present this need that we need some people to serve in in the church. There's some needs in the community, but it's just not my spiritual gift. Let me say this. Your spiritual gift is essential. And you are to be serving the Lord by serving others through the spiritual gift that he has given you. That gift is not for you. That gift is for you to give in serving others. But then there's just the place flat out where we as Christians just see a need and we meet the need. Even if it's not your spiritual gift. Okay, so one of the spiritual gifts Paul identifies is giving. Now we know this. It's anticipated, expected that followers of Christ give to the Lord his tithe. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Honoring the lordship of Jesus Christ and the lordship of God the Father, we bring the first 10% of our income and trust him with the other 90. That's giving. We're all supposed to do that. But the gift of giving, just as an example, is uh, there are those who have the ability to give above and beyond. In December of 1995, when, when I was privileged to to speak my last message at uh, Christ Church in Fort Worth where we had been on staff and they were helping us launch Victory Family Church the next week, the first January, the first Sunday in January of 96. I was privileged to preach and after service a gentleman came up to me that uh, we had known in the church for a number of years and he, he handed us an envelope and uh, thanked us for our service at the church and this and that. Went home and opened it up and there was a $30,000 check in that envelope. Now, that was a true blessing from God because we didn't have a bank account yet. <laughs> we were starting church at the old Burleson Jamboree the next Sunday, but we didn't have any money. We had a building. They were going to let us use that building, but fortunately, they weren't asking for the rent right up front. You see, this gentleman had the ability to, to do that. That's the gift of giving, but we're all supposed to give. But how about you know a neighbor that's just struggling right now because they're unemployed during the COVID? If your spiritual gift is not giving, does that mean you don't go to the grocery store and buy some groceries for them because that's just not my gift? That's unreasonable. That's just silly, right? So whether it's within my spiritual gift, we are servants and we look for those opportunities and God puts us in those places with our gifts and with our abilities to be able to serve. So we have to have this anticipation that we are servants of Jesus Christ and of people that Jesus loves. Everybody agree? Good. There's 12 of you that are on right here with me. So we're just going to have a small group Bible study here this morning. We'll just, those 12 of you can follow along with me. Now, I think you all agree that uh, it is our responsibility to serve. So Paul now has identified the level of his serving, and that is pouring himself out like a drink offering. He identifies the servant heart of Timothy, and then he talks about another gentleman in these verses by the name of Epaphroditus. Now, we're not going to talk as much about Epaphroditus just for the sake of time. We're going to focus on a few verses where Paul gives an identity of the servant's heart that is in this young man named Timothy. And it is an example to us of the heart that we have 
as servants. So we pick up in verse number 19. We find three things about the heart of a servant. Number one, beginning of verse 19, Paul says this. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I may also be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. So the first truth about having joy in serving the Lord by serving others is this. Your joy of serving is found in serving others with a genuine concern for them. A genuine concern, not just a casual, hey, you know, looks like they could use some help, but a genuine concern. Let me, let me explain that word genuine for you. The word genuine right there literally means natural. He has a natural care for you, Paul says. In other words, what he means is it's in his heart. Man, he just has a heart for you guys. And it says he's concerned. You know what the word concerned right there means? It means, it means to, to almost, like, almost like anxiety. He's anxious for you. Now, not in a sense where anxiety is just overwhelming, Timothy, but, but he, he is so concerned that he almost worries about them. And he wants to do what he can to serve them. So Paul says, I'm going to turn him loose. I'm going to flip on Timothy's switch and I'm going to send him to you because he has a genuine concern for all of you. Timothy lived with the idea that uh, if I don't meet the need, who will? You see, we often live in the understanding that people around us have great need. But we treat it often as though somebody will take care of that. Somebody else will, will come along and and take care of that. But Timothy lived with this idea that if he saw a need, if I don't meet it, who's, who, who's going to meet it? And church, I think that's where we have to be. We have to come to that place that, that our heart, as Timothy's did, beats so natural for doing what Jesus would do. Remember the little bracelets, WWJD? Jesus met needs on his way to the cross. He was meeting people's needs. He was demonstrating, one, that he loved them. He was demonstrating, two, that he had the power to forgive. He was showing them the very nature of your heavenly Father who loved them. So much love that, that even he would give his son, Jesus. So we have to have this heart that's, that's genuinely concerned. You know, we miss a lot of opportunities as Christians. And I think in our generation particularly, we have become so guarded of our time and our energy. We've gotten so busy that uh, serving has, has not been at the forefront. We say we're servants. See, there's a difference between just doing something occasionally for someone and actually having the heart that just sees it and does it, whether asked to or not. I'm going to give you a little servanthood test this morning, okay? Um, so I, I spare no expense in sermon illustrations. So bear with me here for a moment. Does this look familiar to anybody in the house? Not this particular one. <laughs> it's not like I snuck in your house last night and found this in your, in your house. No, I didn't even find it in mine. I fixed it up. 
Here's your servant test. You see this. Maybe you created this. Maybe this was what was left. Did you change it out for the next person? Or did you leave it? Maybe you didn't even do this, but someone else did, and you just happened to be walking. It's not even time for you to, to stop, but, excuse me, <laughs> you walk right past it and you see it and you think, do you just leave it for the person who's in dire need at the moment and this is what they find? Or do you, do you say, you know what, let me help the next person out. I'll, I'll change this for them. Now, it's awfully quiet in here for a toilet paper. You're probably wondering, okay, how far is he taking this and where is it going? But think about it. That's, that's the servant's heart. Do you see it? And do you think about the next person? That's what a servant does. It may be inconvenient to have to step into the pantry or wherever and, and get a new role. But it is what a person who's thinking about someone else above themselves does. Because you've been there, you've walked in, and you've seen this, and you're like, Bruh. now I have just saved some marriages this morning for free. Not even going to charge you a fee for this counsel today. And oh, by the way, when it is on the roller, it's over top. It's not underneath. Okay? Just, just saying. <laughs> Tom says you don't have cats. I can see that. I can see where that could be a problem. <laughs> Drive a cat crazy, turn the toilet paper upside down, right? Okay. Anyway, my great love for cats. So a servant's heart looks to see the need above their own need. And the reality is that's what Jesus did, right? Because the Word of God tells us Jesus knew no sin. Though he was tempted just like we were, he didn't die on the cross because of his sins. He put our interests above his own. I mean, Jesus is God in flesh. So before Jesus came to earth, Jesus is in heaven in glory. And the created beings of heaven worship him. But he put our interest above his own. Isn't that what Paul told us a couple of weeks ago in Philippians 2 verse 4? That he took the very nature of a servant. That being God in nature, he chose not to use that to his advantage, but he made himself a servant. He put our interests above others. His expectation then is that in honor of his sacrifice, we, we would do the same. Let me uh, take you now to verse 21. Paul says this, so he says, Timothy has a genuine concern for your welfare, welfare, but now notice what Paul says in verse 21. He says, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Paul says, Timothy has a genuine, natural concern for your well-being. Then Paul says, but you know, I'm not finding very many people around me who care for people like Jesus does. They want something out of it. They have some other motive. He says, I don't find many that want to do it because Jesus would do it. 
He says, that's what Timothy is. Timothy has joy in serving you and others because, because he has his heart for Jesus. He wants to do what Jesus would do if Jesus were right there in Philippi with you. So the second truth then about this joy of serving is this. The joy of serving is found in serving others for the sake of Jesus. That's what we're appointed to do as servants of Christ. We're to meet needs. So, so it, 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 it's common for someone says, you know, we hear a prayer request and we say, okay, well, I'll, I'll pray about that. Well, certainly if it's a, if it's a prayer for physical healing and, and, you know, you certainly aren't qualified to, to give prescriptions or anything else, so you're going to pray. But if there's a need that you know you can meet, we, we tend to say, okay, well, I'm going to pray about that. And Lord, send somebody to them. Send somebody to meet that need. And the fallacy with that is that he sent us. We're right there. It's not waiting for someone else. What happened with the Good Samaritan? In that scenario, that parable that Jesus told. The man's beat up and robbed and he's on the side of the road and two very well-esteemed religious godly men go walking by, but they pass on the other side because they didn't want to be distracted. They didn't want to be, uh, they didn't want to become unclean. He's bleeding, and if they touch him, they're going to be unclean. They can't perform their religious duties. They waited and expected, well, somebody else. Let me just say this. That's, that's a religious spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. The religious spirit says, oh, man, well, somebody else will take it. That's beneath me. I, my gifts are this, and I'm, my gifts have more effect. I had a conversation some years ago with an individual in the church that was in a leadership position, and I was asking them to help me with something. They said, well, I really feel like my gifts are better used in another way. And I've never forgotten that because I... I it just came across to me as being very arrogant. That somebody else can take care of that need. I, that, one's not, that one's not me. I don't find that in the nature of Jesus. I don't find waiting for someone else to come along. It is Jesus has put me in that place. I can, I've either got the resource to help him, and if I don't, I can find the resource. He'll lead me and put me and move me where I need to to find the resource because he's got me there. Jesus wants to meet people's needs. Do you believe that this morning? He wants to meet your needs. But I'm going to ask you this. Have you had your needs met by just getting up, walking outside in the morning, and every morning, like manna, your provisions are laying in the front yard? No. And I will give you this. It could be that you walked out and somebody laid a basket of food in a time of need on your front porch, but I will tell you this, that didn't fall out of heaven. That was in the hands of a believer who Jesus said, I need you to meet this need for me. And he looks at us every day of the week and says, I want to meet their need. I need you to meet it for me. Now, when he does that, he's going to give you all of the resources of heaven needed. 
You will never give out of lack. You will always give out of his provision to you. But he's asking you. You be the one. So I want you to look at a verse with me out of uh, James. James chapter 2. It's very familiar probably to us, but in James 2 verse 14, Paul says, or James says this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? So he illustrates. So suppose a brother or sister without clothes and daily food. Okay, so my verse got cut off there. But he says, suppose a brother or sister without clothes and daily food comes to you and you have the means to, to meet it, but you send them on the way. My verse got cut off. Is it up there? Nope. Okay. So anyway, he said, the bottom line, he says there, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food and you have the means to meet it, but you say, go, go in peace. Verse 16, he says this, and if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical need, what good is it? If they're naked and they're hungry and you have food and a coat or some clothing, and you say, look, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God meets your need with great about My God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Mm-hmm. He's going to provide. He's going to open up the heavens above you. He's going to pour out great blessings upon you. Later. Paul or James says, what, what good is that? Yeah, God's going to bless them. You've got a coat on your back. Share it. So then he says in verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Now we, we know this verse and we know that uh, when we are sick and we know the word of God says by his wounds we're healed, so we're praying for healing. We know that faith means I'm going to demonstrate my faith. I'm going to demonstrate walking in faith into this healing. But let's think about that word faith also having to do with your spiritual practice in life. Someone says, what is your faith? You say, well, I'm a Christian, right? So let's look at it that way. Faith without work. Religious belief and religious practice without works is dead. Now, you're not saved by works. That's what separates you from religion and relationship. You are saved by faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. But after you're saved, we already saw it in this teaching series a few weeks ago, you work out your salvation with Christ. But you're saved, not by your works. But you've got, you've got this Christian faith, and so you say, I'm a Christian. You've got the bumper sticker. You've got the fish on the back. If you're from the 70s, you had the big yellow smiley face bumper sticker that said, anybody remember it? said, I found it, right? Problem is, most people reading our bumper stickers didn't even know what they'd lost yet. But you got the bumper sticker, you got the t-shirt, you got everything, you are Christian, you go to church, you tithe, you do this, you do that. But what's the tangible demonstration that something has happened in your heart? That's what James is saying. There's got to be an outflow of what's happening on the inside. Because your true faith in Christ has changed you. And where you used to live in sin, and we define sin as self-rule, when you used to live under your own rule, and it was all about you and nobody else's interests, 
He changed you. And he saved you from that sin. And he changes you to a heart that sees the interest of others. Do you think about this? When you, uh, when you first gave your heart to the Lord, some of you, we go way back to remember that time. Some of us, more recent. But and I see it in new believers all the time. A person comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ and we say we're going to do an outreach. They don't even know what outreach means. They don't even know the four spiritual laws. They don't even know the Romans road to salvation. They don't know diddly. Well, actually, they probably know diddly more than they know Jesus right now because they're so new to Jesus. But you know what? They show up early. What can I do? Pastor, put me in. I don't know what I can do, but I'll do something. You remember that when you first got? There was just this energy. There was this excitement because you knew what Jesus did for you. You accepted that he saved you by his own grace, but you wanted to do something for him. You wanted to, not that you had to, you wanted to. That's where Paul's at today. Jesus, give us the want to once again. Doing things that are a result of our faith. Serving Jesus by serving others. So Thursday we had this opportunity. I've been praying for through this whole COVID thing. Lord, give us... Give us a food ministry again. Help us get a food ministry started. And I've been researching. I was on a Zoom call a couple of months ago with a couple of organizations. And, and it just we just weren't able to make the, the connections. It just wasn't uh, coming together. And a couple of weeks ago, I was called by a pastor friend that uh, is doing a food ministry in their community. And they're, they're actually getting extra boxes of food and asking churches to come and take those into their community. So it's just there. So Wednesday, I get the call that, hey, there's a truck coming Thursday. You guys want them? I said, yeah, we want them. So we did this little Thursday basket outreaching. I'll talk to you a little bit more about that in a moment. But one of the, one of the coolest parts of it was the opportunity we had to just tell people when they pulled up and we gave them a box of produce that Jesus was thinking about them. One lady was adamant that she give me $20 for her basket. And I said, no, 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 we don't, didn't cost us anything. Well, I just want to give it to the church. I said, no, it, it, it's all free. I said, Jesus just wants you to know that he's thinking about you. I don't know what that would have done in her soul. But I know when I've been down and I've been discouraged and my soul's been heavy, and somebody comes across my path in kind of a unique way, and I realize, man, Jesus knows where I am. It's simple. It's some apples and some onions and cantaloupe and some potatoes and beans. But Jesus knows where I am. Serving Jesus by serving others. That's the heart. Jesus, give us, give us that want to. Let me, uh, let me, before we get to the third one here, just real quick, let me give you seven benefits of serving others. Now, okay, so th there's, there's far more than this, and some of these are somewhat selfish, but we're going to start with the non-selfish ones first and, and see some of these benefits. What happens when I serve other people, uh, when I serve Jesus by serving other people? Here's one right here. It makes a difference in their lives. It could be a simple thing, but it makes a huge difference. Okay, this is not dropping a hint. I just washed my truck over the weekend, so I don't need it washed. 
But a pastor friend of mine here in the area posted on his Facebook page a little video clip of a family that called him on Friday and said, hey, come over. We want to see you for a minute and talk to you. Well, when he got there, the kids jumped out and dad jumped out with a water hose and they wanted to wash his car for him. That's why they called him over to the house. You know what that spoke to my pastor friend? That they see him more than just, just a guy that has to be in the pulpit once a week. They, they see him as a, as a guy who has need. We just want to love on him. Now, okay, so I know as soon as I've said that, you're all thinking I'm dropping the hint. I am absolutely not. I'm using the example. What does that do for someone when you do some racked and, and um racked, <laughs> random act of kindness to them? What does that do? It, it makes a difference. We had a lady pull up Thursday that uh, she saw, uh, she was headed over to the eye doctor over there. And some of the guys were standing out there with a, a sign that said, free food. So she pulled in. She told them. I didn't get to talk with her, but they, they, she told some of the, the folks, I think Daytree and some of the others, um, that she didn't have any food at home. And she was going over to the eye doctor because she got stung in the eye by a wasp. It was needing to get that taken care of. Saw we had food and said she's a single lady living at home, but she didn't have anything really at home. So it was a blessing. Think about the difference that made for just a moment, as simple as it was. When you serve Jesus by serving others, you make a difference in their lives. No matter how simple it is, you don't know what that does to elevate them to take further steps toward Christ. Secondly, it honors the life and sacrifice Jesus gave for them. Jesus desperately wants to touch them and meet their needs. And when you step up to say, Jesus, here I am, then he can meet that need. It opens the door for the gospel. I mean, who's not going to give you the opportunity to pray for them? I don't know. We prayed for almost everybody that came through Thursday. Let us pray for them. It's kind of hard to say no when you've just been handed a box full of groceries. Nah, no, I just want your groceries. Nah, there are some of those people, but it opens the door for the gospel. Uh, it gives your life purpose. Okay, you're just kind of sitting around eating bonbons, whatever those are, and, and watching the view, and that's just your life day to day, and serving Getting up off of the couch, going out, doing something for someone else gives you some sense of purpose. How about this one? It turns your focus off of yourself. The quickest way to get out of selfishness is suck it up, go do something for someone else in the name of Jesus. It makes you more like Jesus. You are never more like Jesus than when you are serving people for him. And number seven, it can add years to your life. You're all like, okay. So true, true story. A couple of years ago, some studies were compiled. There were 40 different individual studies done by different doctors and scientists all around different nations of the world. They weren't even doing it together. They were just writing their findings and all through a period of time discovered that they had all been studying the same thing and then they came together and realized the results they found. Forty studies where they were uh, gauging people who were uh, doing things for other people. And they began to notice that stress levels dropped when people would do things for others. They, became, they, they got less worried about their own anxious needs and they started focusing on others. It, it relieved stress. It brought, it brought a, a greater sense of peace to them. 
gave them a sense of, of well-being and a sense of purpose and, and it affected them physically. Their physical well-being was enhanced. I'm reminded right now of an, of an article I read some years ago about a group of uh, doctors were doing a study and they took a nursing home and they, uh, they had the one wing of the nursing home and on one side they gave everybody on that wing a, a potted plant for their room and they, they gave this side instructions and said, hey, this is your plant. Every day you're responsible. You're going to need to water it. The nurse is not going to come in and water it. You're going to need to water it. You're going to need to get it some sunlight, open the window, and set it by the window. That It's your plant. Over here, they were told, hey, uh, this is a plant just to decorate your room. Don't worry about it. The nurse will, will, will water it every day. Uh, we'll take, the nurse will take care of it for you. Just want to kind of brighten your room a little bit. So they observed those two groups of people for some time. And the bottom line of the, the study was they began to recognize that the ones who had a sense of taking care of that plant had far better outlook on life every time they came into the cafeteria or when they showed up to game night. They were more cheerful when people walked into their room to, to, to serve them. They had a sense of purpose. They had something that they woke up to in that nursing home every day that made them feel they were responsible. And it changed their outlook. It changed their demeanor. It changed their attitudes. And they noticed a difference between the two sides in that wing. Serving people changes their lives because their needs are being met. They're coming in touch with the truth of Jesus. And it changes your life because you're doing what Jesus would do if he were sitting there with them. And he's doing it through you. Third one and the last one. Verse number 22 and 23, Paul says this. He says, but you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. And he says, I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. Paul hopes to get to Philippi uh, one more time before he dies. He says, I'll see how it goes. But in the meantime, I'm sending Timothy. And know this, Timothy has faithfully served alongside me for some time now. Timothy was a, a protege of Paul's. He was discipled by Paul. Paul didn't lead him to the Lord. His grandmother and his mother led him to the Lord. But Paul saw some things in him and took him under his wing and mentored him. Here's the third truth about joy in serving. The joy of serving is found in serving others with others. Meeting needs for others with others. Not feeling like you've got to do it all yourself. You, you may see a need and feel totally overwhelmed that, man, there's no way. But get you some other, get you some other servant-hearted people. And together you can meet that need. Doing service with others. Paul says, Timothy has traveled with me. He's been a part of my ministry with me. Now I'm sending him to you. There's incredible joy when we serve together. Um, Thursday, our food distribution. We got a few pictures. Now, here's the one downside to our photo collage here is we all got so wrapped up in serving baskets, we didn't get any pictures of... <laughs> we really did serve 96 baskets to people in the community. We just don't have any pictures of us literally putting them in their hands. But just some pictures there. Uh, 
But it was, it was a blast together. There was a lot of laughing. There was a lot of smiling. There was ice chest surfing for the younger part of the crew. Um, it's just, it, there's just a joy in being together and, and, and sharing the responsibilities of, of serving together. Think about what it does when a church serves a community together, when it's not just one or two or three or a paid staff, but when, when the, the heart of a church is to serve the needs of a community. You know what joy there is in a body like that? People will come into a Sunday service that are visiting and say, man, there's something different about this church. There's a different atmosphere here than what we've seen in some other places we've been checking out. And, and I'll guarantee you one of the things you'll find if you, if you look under the hood is you'll find a church where people are serving a community and meeting needs, and they're doing it together. It's not one person's ministry. It's, not, it's, it's together we, we see the need, and we're going to, to serve in it together. There's great joy in serving others by serving with each other. You know, Victory Family Church, we've always, going on 25 years now, in a few months it'll be 25 years that Victory Family has served our community. And one of our foundational values is that we believe Jesus put us here to reach out into this community with his love. Reaching. You'll see it on the sign out in the front, reaching, reaching out to the community around us with the love of Jesus Christ. Because you see, that breaks down barriers to the gospel, opens people's hearts to the love of Jesus, and perhaps more responsive then when we say, hey, you know what? Jesus loves you, he died for you, you die without him, there's... There's judgment, you die with him. There's freedom and life everlasting. We can speak truth when we, when we show them that Jesus loves them and that we, we love them. If you're new to Victory Family Church, and of course COVID has, has changed everything, and we're, we're doing what we can during this time to, to try to reach out and meet some needs around us. Um, but you may be newer to the church, so we don't have all the full ministry going on right now. Uh, that is at the heart of who we are, reaching out to people around us with the love of Jesus Christ. If you're looking for a church and you want to be involved in reaching and meeting needs, we, it, it's a, that's a core part of, of who we are. This basket, this food basket outreach on Thursday, uh, if the truck keeps showing up every week in Cleburne, we get to do this every other Thursday. This particular truck only shows up every other week. And we've been offered that if, when it shows up, and sometimes it does and sometimes it's late, and they just, but when it shows up and it is actually scheduled to be there every other week. So our plan is two weeks from this last Thursday, whatever that date is, uh, we plan on and we're, we, we're doing it in the middle of the afternoon. It's hotter than a mug out there. But that truck can show up anytime between 9 o'clock and noon. And nobody knows when it's going to show up in Cleveland. And then we have to go pick it up and bring it, bring it back here. So we figure safe to say, let's go 2 o'clock and trust God that it will show up on time each week. But uh, So every other Thursday, 
we're going to try to do this same thing, just reaching the community. We took 30, or we took 25 boxes over to the uh, Mariposa Senior uh, Living Apartments across the street over there for those residents. We took seven boxes over here to the nurses at the uh, eye clinic next door to us, just uh, took those over there to be a blessing to them. Took a couple of boxes to, I believe, the fire station. Uh, several of the folks took boxes home with uh, them to give the neighbors. We took two home with us to give to a couple of neighbors. Uh, but we had over 50, I think. Uh, by the time I counted those boxes and everything, and we gave out 96, we probably had about 50 boxes we gave through drive through that came onto the campus. And most of those let us actually have a word of prayer with them. And so it's not just, it's not just hey, here's free apples. It is Jesus is thinking about you. Jesus cares about you. So if you're available, two to four, actually from one to four probably because we need to set up at one o'clock to be ready by two. But uh, we'll make more announcement closer to that Thursday to remind you. This one kind of just came up on us all of a sudden. So let's wrap this up this morning. In conclusion, as a follower of Christ, you have automatically been anointed and appointed as a servant. First, you are a servant of Christ. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, he addresses himself, and he, 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 well, or he introduces himself, Paul and Timothy, servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be a servant of means you've just fully given yourself to Jesus. To follow his will, to walk in humble obedience fully to him. That's to be a servant of Christ. But then we also have this calling to be a servant for Christ. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, I tell you, whatever you did to the least of one of these brothers and sisters of mine, he says, you did it for me. Jesus wants to meet the needs of your family. He wants to meet the needs of your neighbors. He wants to meet the needs of this community. And he's going to use us to do that. He's going to use you. He's going to use me. So what are your takeaways? Here's your takeaways right here. First one is this. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you need to know this morning the Son of God left all the glory of heaven 2,000 years ago to serve your need for salvation from your sin. He says, for the joy he endured on the cross. How did he find joy in such punishment? Knowing that any including you who would believe on him would be saved from that sacrifice. So the first takeaway is if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus this morning, call on the name of Jesus. Call on the name of Jesus. Second takeaway for those of us who have called on the name of Jesus is this. Ask Jesus to give us his heart for serving others. Let's ask Jesus starting this morning and make it a regular prayer of yours. Lord, give me the heart. Give me the heart to serve others. Give me your heart. And then for some of us who've resisted serving by guarding our time and our energy, over guarding that, it may be that we have to pray and say, God, I give you. I give you the time you've given me. You know, something the Lord did in, in me a few months back in my quiet time, I, I didn't notice it at first. 
But every morning when I'm starting my prayer time and personal time with the Lord, and I've done this for years, I've always said, Lord, this is the day you've made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And then by about two hours, I find somebody in traffic or whatever, and I'm like, well, there went that joy. But I found myself saying this to the Lord in different fashion, but, but kind of along this line, Lord, this is the day you've made. You made this day for me. This is one of the things that helped me. This actually came as a part of my coming out of that season of depression. It was, Lord, you, you made this day for me. I have purpose today. I have, I have something to do today that gives me a reason to get up and get out and, and move forward. You made this day for me. And then, I, and then I catch myself say, and you made me for this day. There's something unique, Lord, you want to do. You want to do it through me. He made this day and every day that you wake up breathing, he made that day for you. And he made you for that day.